magnetic pole, the inclination, declination, the magnetosphere, and to end up everything will be the auroras. So, um, everything started with a man named William Gilbert. He discovered that the compass points north because it is guided by the Earth's magnetic field. Gilbert um, realized that the Earth is basically a giant and beautiful magnet. And he, why, how did he arrive to this conclusion? Well, he did this by uh, using the work of Pierre and Pellerin, and he did it by shaping a piece of lodestone into a small sphere. And then Gilbert showed that the compass placed anywhere in the surface of his terela, um, that means little earth, always pointed to the sphere's magnetic poles, lining up with the lines of the magnetic flux surrounding the lodestone. So um, then in the 1600s, uh, Gilbert published his findings in his book. His book was named on the magnet and the magnetic bodies and on the great magnet, the earth. But it was uh, mostly referred to him as the magnet. That is basically a Latin uh, title. So a small summary, the earth is a giant magnet. And uh, the magnetic field of the Earth reaches thousands of kilometers into space. And scientists thinks, uh, think that the Earth's magnetic field is caused by a huge circulating uh, current of electricity in the Earth's molten core. But now, uh, they do not cause... Um, they do not actually know the cause of such electric currents. So if you know, if you have ever held up a compass near magnet you can notice that it is north seeking end of the compass points always towards the magnet south the south seeking pole like an ordinary biomagnet the earth has a north pole and a south pole according to the law of magnetic poles the north pole of a compass points to the magnetic south pole of the earth making what we know as the earth's north magnetic pole and this north magnetic pole, uh, in parentheses, uh, is geographically north. And the south seeking pole is, in parentheses, a magnetic south pole. So don't get confused because the magnetic poles of the Earth's do not, um, are not the same, are not exactly the same as the ones of the geographic poles. So the, as the north magnetic pole is located in northern Canada, from the geographic North Pole, the South Magnetic Pole, the North Seeking, is located off the coast of the Wilkes Land in Antarctica. Um, so it's just over 2,800 um, kilometers from the geographic South Pole. So the North Magnetic Pole wanders about 55 kilometers northwest every year, and it is headed out to Canada, out of Canada towards the country um, named Russia. The South Magnetic Pole also wanders about five kilometers and it goes north-northwest each year, so they keep moving. So the, it may be confusing to some people that the Earth's North Magnetic Pole is actually a magnetically South Pole. I know it's a bit confusing, but um, you you can understand these by like trying to get more information about these and 
um, understand it better. But um, when Pelerin uh, labeled one, um, the poles of the lodestone in the 1200s, he labeled one pole as a North Seeking Pole, the North Pole, and the other was the South Seeking Pole, um, the South Pole, according to the North and the South Geographic Poles of the Earth. So it's no surprise that the geographically North Magnetic Pole of the Earth is magnetically a South Pole. So the North is South and South. A bit confusing, but easy. So, okay, the the Earth's magnetic poles are called north and south because of their geographic locations, not because of their magnetic properties. The next topic is the the declination. So, the direction of the Earth's geographic north pole is considered true north because a true magnetic pole does not align with north with a true north. A compass needle is usually a few degrees uh, from pointing to the true north. This deviation is called the angle of declination, and it changes slightly depending on the location of the person around the air, the around the world. So the further north you travel, and the more pronounced the angle of declination becomes. Um, the pole star. The Polaris is located at the end of the handle of the Little Dipper. It's a more accurate indicator of true north than a magnetic compass. However, it has many advantages of a compass, such as the ability to be used during the day or um, with, uh, with a cloudy weather. And it's generally make the compass a more useful navigational tool. And it is most, it is best for the, this is why, this is the reason why many of the maps, um, if you have ever drawn a map or made a map for a class, uh, you can notice how the teachers always say you, tell you that you need to do uh, the compass rows. So it is a very important uh, tool for every single map that you do or read or see. And it, it and this shows the, angle of declination. So map can show the angle of declination for the entire earth using the isogonic lines that are connected um, points of equal declination. At every point along the line mark 10, for example, a compass needle points 10 degrees east of north true. The line connecting all poles where a compass needle points uh, true north is called the agonic line. So because the magnetic poles are constantly moving, the angle of declination is also changing continuously. Yeah. The next one is the inclination. So as this man, Gilbert, experimented with his terella, he noticed that as he moved the compass up or down the sphere, the needle will also move. So Gilbert speculated that a compass constructed with a magnet free to swing vertically instead horizontally uh, would reveal the angle of which lines and flux enter the earth. So Gilbert constructed the first dripping needle and found uh, that its north seeking pole dips or points downward towards the earth in the northern hemisphere. And this phenomenon is called the inclination or the magnetic dip. The angle of inclination corresponds to the angle between the earth's magnetic field and the Earth's surface. So the dipping needles are used for navigation as well as for studies and 
of the Earth's magnetic field, and some maps are constructed with uh, irregular horizontal lines called the isoclinic lines that connect locations having equal inclinations. So at either of the magnetic poles, the inclination of 90 degrees or straight down. Then we have the imaginary magnetic circles that are um, the Earth halfway between the two magnetic poles. Here the lines of the flux are horizontal. Sorry, horizontal. And he and because of the dipping needle remains horizontal, the inclination would be uh, of zero degrees. And both the inclination and the intensity of the Earth's magnetic field are affected slightly by the magnetic metal objects within the field because the Earth induces slight magnetism in any magnetic substance within its field. So um, the devices that measure the strength of the magnetic materials or detect uh, changing in such fields are the magnetometers. Yeah, so the kind of the last one, but not basically the last one, is the mm, topic of the magnetosphere. So the extent of the planet's magnetic field in space is the magnetosphere. The Earth's magnetosphere is not spherical, but it is shaped somewhat like a comet. The magnetosphere is um, disordered by the solar wind, and a stream of plasma and plasma are electrons and cations emanate from the sun and these travel for about a speed of two million kilometers per hour and these charged particles uh, like all forms of plasma are deflected by a magnetic field on the stretches out way on the no sorry on the dark side of the earth the magnetosphere stretches out away from the sun in a magnetic tail and it extends millions of kilometers the outer boundary of the magnetosphere it is called the magnetopause. So um, all of these has uh, some of the charged particles of the solar wind penetrate to the magnetosphere but are trapped in the magnetic field high above the earth forming the Van Allen radiation belt. These two vast donut shapes are like they they go around um, are of high speed charged particles. And these belts are named after American scientist James Van Allen, uh, who deduced their existence from data collected, uh, data collected by the United States first artificial satellite and space probe explorer first in the late um, 1950s. So all of these it's a lot of information, but basically the belts uh, form a really important part of the um, solar wind and the plasma. And the last one will be the aurora. So while the magnetosphere uh, deflects most of solar wind particles around the Earth, some penetrates are, are trapped inside the same um, Van Allen belts. And the particles are channeled towards the magnetic poles. Since the magnetic field rentiers the Earth at these areas, the particles are directed towards the Earth's surface. And when these high-speed particles spiral into the upper atmosphere. So the aurora in um, 
what is the aurora basically so when these high-speed particles collide uh, or crash violently into molecules of air producing a fantastic display of shimmering light known as the aurora so basically uh, that's the aurora and the aurora in the northern hemisphere is called the aurora borealis and the southern hemisphere lights are called the aurora australis so they are called different depending on where they are in the in the world in the air so the intensity and frequency of the aurora displays depends upon the solar activity for example an increased number of solar flares results in an increase in the number of the solar wind particles released by the sun so when this increased number of particles reaches the earth it is um it becomes a more intense of the aurora displays we can get about this but the aurora borealis is seen only as far south as the northern uh, most united states but during periods of very high solar activity beautiful displays of the northern lights have some have been seen in some other states so the colors of these glorious lights actually depends on the atoms struck by the charged particles and the altitudes of the collisions that happen green and red are the most commonly observed colors by the human eye and these occur about 100 kilometers and 400 kilometers above the surface these displays results from collisions with oxygen atoms in the atmosphere red uh Nitrogen emissions occur around the 100 kilometers level, while the blue and violet are produced by nitrogen. So, so ones are made by red nitrogen emissions, and the other ones are produced by nitrogen collisions above 100 kilometers. So, um, how much do these happen when in? Oh, that this display, aurora display, is happening. How much time does it take? Um, so it can take for about from 10 to 30 minutes long, and these occur every two hours. So if the activity is high, the aurora is a sporadic phenomenon that occurs uh, randomly for short periods or perhaps not at all, depending on the magnitude of the incoming solar wind. So it all depends if it's seasonal, the time, all of that depends on the solar wind. So, not every single aurora is the same. Mm, all of them are unique. And the, the celestial uh, shapes they do are also unique. So, uh, where are some places you can uh, see uh, the aurora? will be Iceland, Alaska, Norway, Canada, Finland. And there are many more. There are many more in this um, beautiful world. So uh, if the wind of the solar wind is happening and it's cold and everything that is needed, you can basically uh, go see an aurora. Not in every single place of the world, but in many different and unique places of the world.